this is Lissa and Jerry Lee. Welcome to Experience Eden, This Side of Heaven. We hope this conversation will speak to your heart and inspire joy. Welcome back to Experience Eden on This Side of Heaven. Yes, so today we are going to be talking about cynicism. So we really wanted to discuss this. Um, it just affects a lot of us. It, you know, separates us in our relationships um, with other people and especially from God. So we just really wanted to talk about this topic. Um, I'm going to read a verse in Philippians 2, 12 through 16. So it's do everything without grumbling. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but not much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. I love it. I know, me too. <laughs> We're in such a culture of uh, cynicism and criticism. Mm -hmm. Yes. And um, we just did a study by Jenny Allen called Get Out of Your Head. And uh, it was really focused on... Uh, interrupting toxic thoughts and um, the rabbit holes that we go down and the toxic spirals that we go down mm -hmm. when we're either feeling anxious or depressed or stressed or worried. Um, and really it focuses a lot around negative thinking. Um, so that is really the crux of it. Uh, and she really explores some really interesting topics about cynicism mm -hmm. and negativity. And really that was kind of the inspiration for this topic. Um, it really brought the epidemic of cynicism and negativity um, to the forefront. She has so much wisdom. I recommend all of you read her book. And if you have the time and a small group would be wonderful to get together to uh, do the study. It's phenomenal. I highly recommend it. Um, but it really made us think Mm -hmm. about um, the impact that that has on our lives. Um, I don't think most of us really make a, like an audit of mm -hmm. our thinking uh, and take an inventory of our thoughts. But in the book, she says that uh, over 70% of our thoughts daily are negative. Mm. And that's not that's a lot. <laughs> oh my goodness. And that's not re referencing, you know, a negative person. That's all of us. Yeah. And so uh, typically, uh, you know, we are at the mercy of our thoughts. Our thoughts pop into our head and oftentimes we don't have control over that. Um, but what she focused on was interrupting that. Mm. So uh, it requires self-awareness and uh, thinking about what you're thinking about and being mindful. Um, but it also, um, it also focuses on um, interrupting the thought and changing the negative spiral or yeah. prohibiting it. Mm -hmm. And so I really started thinking about it. And, you know, we've come out of a season with the COVID pandemic. And now we're kind of revisiting that as cases go up. And there's a lot of fear and yeah. negativity and cynicism in the world. It's a critical world. Like it really is the things you see online. Like I feel like we see a lot more negativity about someone than positivity. You know, mm -hmm. we see that a lot going around. Like people just 
created like, oh, her dress or this and that. Instead of looking at the positive, people, it's so easy to fall in to look to the negative. And then like we were talking about how much that spreads. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I was doing a little research and I was really interested in um, some of the actual psychological components of this. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of um, theories on thought like uh, bandwagon mentality or gang mentality um, in terms of thinking in terms of um, just going with the flow and mm -hmm. adopting the feelings, mm -hmm. the thoughts, the words of those around you. And I was talking to Lisa before we started, and, you know, we've all been in a long line somewhere that doesn't seem to be moving. Um, the person in front of us will turn around and make a complaint. Oh, God, don't they have more cashiers? They should really call somebody up here to help. Or, or like, almost, um, like, egging you on to yeah. negativity and to complain. And the reality is it's so easy to go, oh, gosh, I know, you know, and then yeah. just gang up and complain and it's a dog pile yep. and the complaints get louder yep. and more mm -hmm. severe. And you're um, egging each other on like that. Yeah. And misery loves company. Yeah. That, that's a long standing quote, right? <laughs> but the, the funny thing is it takes so much more strength mm -hmm. um, and moral courage to not go along with that mm -hmm. and to take the moral high road and to insert positivity into Instead. the negative dog pile. Yeah. And that uh, that's something we're kind of uncomfortable doing sometimes. Uh, I'll be honest, sometimes I would rather remain silent than try to interrupt that spiral, certainly in a social setting yeah. or with strangers. Yep. And sometimes it's harder with people we know and love. Mm -hmm. and, and to be that person that stands up for positivity and mm -hmm. insert something good into the conversation and it and it just it's just easier to either be silent or to go along and just add another complaint to the yeah, pile. Definitely. That does make it, you know, a lot harder. Especially yeah, you because then you're afraid that other people are like are gonna attack you for being positive. Yeah. And that's usually what happens. Like exactly. They want to bring because someone else is negative and brings that negativity and then they see you positive, they're like why is she so like? Why yeah. is she happy about that? Yeah, or like, <laughs> like that's the, a problem. Yeah, like the mean girl thing. Yeah, or like bullying and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, it's just kind of easier to go with the flow. Mm -hmm. um, and and in the book, um, Jenny Allen kind of details an interesting situation. Mm -hmm. For example, uh, maybe somebody goes to a party or a wedding with a friend, and they're at the same wedding. They have pretty much the same experience. Um, you know, person A has what they think or perceive to be a pretty good time. Mm -hmm. Person B, upon leaving, looks at person A and goes, wow, that wasn't so good, huh? The food wasn't good and the music was too loud. And suddenly person A, who thought they had a pretty good time, is going, oh, maybe it was too loud. Yeah. And maybe the food wasn't second good. Second guessing it. Yeah, you kind of second guess your experience when negativity is inserted mm -hmm. and you can kind of, your your opinions can conform to negativity. Yeah. And, and suddenly you're thinking, oh, wow, that wasn't really the greatest party anyway and yeah. so it's just it's an interesting psychological response to cynicism and um so you know me i love words and definitions <laughs> and i'm kind of a dork so i had to look up some things and um you know cynical the actual definition of being cynical or cynical is believing that people are motivated by self-interest distrustful of human sincerity or integrity um so that's more than just complaining about the food or the volume of music at a party yeah that has much more of an implication. Um, and it's motivated by self-interest, distrustful of human sincerity. Mm -hmm. So when you get there, you're in a dangerous place. 
Uh, and I know many of us have been hurt by people and many of us have been affected and, and impacted negatively by human insincerity. I get mm-hmm. it. I totally get it. Um, but the reality is if you're looking behind at the pain of yesterday, you're going to miss the joy of today. And that's just the reality of the situation. Yep. And I don't know where I heard this quote, but you know, it says, don't be so busy chasing the ghosts of the past that you miss God's glory today. Mm-hmm. And that's the truth. Sometimes we focus on the negative things and um, there's a weird familiarity in pain that we kind of just sit in it too long. Yeah. We stay there too long. Uh, And that's something that uh, I really, in this season of my life, I just pray for people Mm -hmm. that um, they don't stay there. Yeah. Because it becomes habit. Like once you just like start going down that rabbit hole and just start complaining about everything, that's what becomes natural to you. It's natural to see something to complain about instead of something to be grateful about. Exactly. And then the whole thing about cynicism is that, you know, it's like the antithesis of gratitude. So you can't be grateful and cynical at the same time about the same thing. They just can't coexist. Mm-hmm. And so um, it, it's an interesting concept. So if if your natural gravitation is towards negativity and yep. cynicism, then you have to actually be intentional about finding something to be grateful about. Mm-hmm. And so you can exercise and kind of flex that muscle until being positive and being grateful uh, is no longer intentional, but it's just a reflex. Yeah. Just like any muscle we work out, eventually it's going to get stronger and it's going to, you know, the more things you practice, then the more things are going to become first nature. Absolutely. Um, Exactly. And then the, the other part is when you're cynical about something, um, and it could be from legitimate hurt. I'm not minimizing that at all. Uh, but the reality is once you've become cynical, um, you're going to, you're going to start criticizing. Mm -hmm. And that could be about a political group or a religious group or a um, social group or uh, about a person. Mm -hmm. And so in thinking about this whole topic, I started realizing if you're negative and if you're complaining and if you're criticizing how much really can you do for the kingdom of God? Mm. And yeah. that hit me hard. Yeah. You can't serve two masters. Exactly. I love that. You can't, you know, try and exe- like exemplify the fruit of the spirit and be that when you're being critical and cynical and, you know, practicing all those dark traits. You can't mm. serve two masters. Exactly. That's just how it works. <laughs> I know. And it's such a good way to put it because if you are wholly focused on one thing, then you cannot focus on something else. Yeah. And so, you know, I was thinking about it, you know, if I'm cynical about a person or or situation and and if I'm criticizing a person, it's really hard for me to feel love Mm -hmm. for that person. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also if I'm being criticized by someone, I can't feel loved by them. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about uh, constructive criticism where somebody is, is, uplifting you and encouraging you and giving you tangible ways to improve that's constructive criticism and it's not an attack on your character Mm. it's a suggestion as to how you can better yourself that's different Mm -hmm. Uh, but if you're being criticized for the sake of being criticized um, it it is very defeating and it's hard to identify with that person yeah in a in a loving way yeah i think you said it too it's attacking your character and when someone's continually attacking your character like what do you do you shut down Mm -hmm. like who you know who wants to be with around someone like that right exactly and then and what was interesting too is that i I was thinking about you know we're created by god Mm -hmm. by the one true almighty god Mm -hmm. for ultimately kingdom purposes Mm -hmm. 
we're not, you know, we're not just created frivolously. Mm -hmm. We are created ultimately to, um, to accept Jesus mm -hmm. and to seek him and then to share him with others. Mm -hmm. So that's the reason we're created is to be in relationship with God and lead others to him. And if you are a consistently and constantly cynical and critical person, you're not going to lead anyone to Jesus. Not only are you going to lead people away from Jesus, you're going to also lead people away from you. Yeah. Because you're not going to be pleasant to be around. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, this message really from our hearts is both to people who are critical and to people who are being criticized mm -hmm. and uh, people to whom negativity is being imposed. Um, there's really a message here from both sides of the coin. And um, like I said, if you're cynical about something or someone, you're going to be critical about them and you're going to criticize. Uh, nobody likes to be criticized. Mm -hmm. Nobody likes their character to be put into question or to be attacked. Mm -hmm. uh, again, dork. I went to the words and to the definition and I looked up criticize. Now we all know what that means. We use that word all the time. But to look at synonyms of it, um, it's, you know, the definition is to indicate the faults of someone or something in a disapproving way. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, that's the difference between criticism and constructive criticism. Yeah. Straight out criticism is in a disapproving way, mm -hmm. in a negative way. Mm -hmm. And some of the synonyms were really, um, I kind of hadn't thought about it. And when I read them, they actually make perfect sense. Um, to denounce, to condemn, to attack, to depreciate, devalue, vilify, malign, denigrate, disapprove of. Pour scorn on or besmirch. Ugh. I know. <laughs> <Yucky> like, list. <laughs> Terrible list. And when you think about it, when someone is criticizing you and making you feel attacked in those ways and belittling you and demeaning mm -hmm. you and devaluing you, it causes a fracture in the relationship. Absolutely. Huge. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, of course, had to study some more. And I was fascinated to learn about... Um, there's a doctor and he came up with a, um, a four part, um, destructive pattern in, especially a marriage was a lot of his research, but I'm sure it works in many interpersonal relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was fascinated because he, um, he came up with this thing and he calls it the four horsemen mm. and it's intentional to be, um, likened to the apocalypse and to the four horse, you know, the horsemen of yep. the apocalypse. And That's so cool. <laughs> I know. Isn't it? I know. And, and we just did our four parts series you yeah. know, on, on uh, the end time. So it was just kind of flew. It, fit. <laughs> it, yeah, it flowed with the whole point, but, uh, it's by, uh, John Gottman and, um, it's interesting because, like you said, it's a famous concept now, the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. And he has used it to predict divorce in with 90% accuracy. Wow, that's, that's, that's high. That's yeah. really high. And so um, the four categories for the Four Horsemen are criticism, contempt, mm -hmm. defensiveness, and stonewalling. Mm. And it was so interesting because that, and actually criticism is the first horseman. And... Um, it, he writes, criticizing your partner is different than offering a critique or voicing a complaint. The latter two are about specific issues, whereas the former is an ad hominem attack. It is an attack on your partner at the core of their character. Mm. And so there's a big difference, again, in criticizing someone for the sake of criticizing them. And often criticism comes from a place of desiring change. Mm -hmm. So maybe a husband complains to a wife or a wife complains to a husband really the the underlying thing is they want something to change 
So maybe it's something they want them to change about a behavior yeah, or finances or treatment of the other partner or whatever the case may be. But they're lacking the maturity yeah. and the communication tools to do it. And it's just basic stuff. And, and we're not taught this in school. Yeah. And because so many of us lack these skills, we're not teaching it to our kids. Mm-hmm. We're not exercising it with our spouses because we just don't have the tools. Mm-hmm. And the reality is you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And then they end up doing the exact opposite of what they want done. Exactly. <laughs> it, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And so um, when you criticize someone rather than offer a solution to a problem, it, it destroys communication. Mm-hmm. And that's the essential part that you need is the mm-hmm. communication. And then what ends up happening is the per- person getting criticized gets defensive and there's really no resolution. And guess what happens? There's more criticism. Mm-hmm. And then there's a resentment. Yep. And it's so interesting, um, this spiral. And then we get stuck in this cycle and we don't know what's happening. Yeah. Well, how can I fix it? Why is nothing changing? Well, because we're not doing anything to improve it. And uh, doing better requires knowing better. Mm. And we just don't teach it to each other. Yeah. And uh, it's heartbreaking, really, when you see it. And I know we've all experienced it. We all have someone somewhere who's been hypercritical of us. And it causes a wound, a scar that kind of never heals. Mm -hmm. And then we carry that into the next relationship. You know what I mean? And then what we end up doing is projecting that pain onto the new situation. Definitely. I think that's where you see it a lot is in relationships, Mm -hmm. like with a significant other where you really see it. Like I've been in plenty of those relationships. Mm -hmm. And sister. Yeah, it's hard. You know, it's hard to be criticized and sit there because it does build that resentment, just like you said. Mm -hmm. And it just drives a huge wedge instead of, you know, accomplishing something, communicating. It just drives that wedge. Exactly. And it's, it's so sad because what the goal is usually improvement, mm-hmm. even though the approach is wrong. Yeah, the goal exactly. is improvement. Exactly. But what we need to do is we need to offer feedback yeah. about how to accomplish a mutual goal. Mm-hmm. But really what we end up doing is criticism that communicates irritation. Yeah. So it's not even getting to the point. You're criticizing and expressing an irritation about something when the goal is not even in the picture anymore. Mm-hmm. Because now you're just communicating that you're irritated yeah. and everything shuts down. And so um, it was interesting. I I looked it up again and um, talked about like the proximity of cynicism. So if you're close to a cynical person and you're in a situation where you're being criticized, um, you have to be very careful. Mm. And, you know, there's people that we have to be around family members, spouses, children, employees, employers, whatever the case may be. There's people we just can't throw away. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. We have to interact with them yeah. and we have to do it in the most healthy and sane way possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is cynicism does affect you even mm-hmm. by osmosis. You don't have to subscribe to the cynicism. Uh, you don't have to participate in it, but slowly over time, there are really significant implications. And some of them that I found were like, you become negative and cynical mm-hmm. or completely beaten down yep. by the cynicism mm-hmm. and just emotionally exhausted. Um, you become stressed and exhausted trying to remain positive in spite of the cynicism. And what ends up happening is maybe you are strong. Maybe you do want to stand up to cynicism, but it continuously happens. And Eventually just, wears you down. Oh, but It hits. really does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or uh, then if you manage to remain positive, you'll be criticized for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there is, it's just a never ending cycle. Um, and when you get out of that, that's just the interpersonal aspect. But in consideration of that, um, in the relationships that you have, um, 
if you are surrounded by negativity, you'll be unable to identify God's glory and be in a situation or a position of wonder mm -hmm. or awe. It's mm -hmm. really hard to go outside and enjoy the beautiful sunset when you're being attacked in your home. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's not, it's not just that you might become a complainer. It has kingdom implications. And for me at this stage in my life, um, that's how I think of things now. I don't just think about like, well, what made me happy or unhappy today? Mm -hmm. What made my life convenient or inconvenient today? Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at life through a lens that's the wide angle. Yeah. And why am I here? Why do I exist? What yeah. is God's purpose for me? Yes. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that if I remain cynical, I won't fulfill that. No. And so it's really important. And like in, in the um, Jenny Allen Bible study, you know, she's looking at the book of Philippians and um, how if you just give up and you give in to the pressures of life and the negativity around you and perhaps a very real situation that you're struggling in, um, if you succumb to that mm -hmm. and you are unable to see the beauty and the glory of God, you will be destroyed. Yeah, definitely. They talk about that in Philippians too, like what right. to think about, you know, whatever is true, whatever is noble, think exactly. about such things. And it's so important, like where your state of mind is, is so important. And I like what you said too, it's like, we're not taught this in school though. Like mm -hmm. the, the, the ways to think, you know, like how detrimental negative thoughts can be. We're not taught this. So you literally have to put in work mm -hmm. to reverse the, that negativity either around you or what you're stuck in, even for yourself. Like it takes a lot of work and some people just aren't willing to put that work in. No, and it goes back to what I said earlier. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah, exactly. So if you're navigating life, trying your best and not being given this information. Like I, you know, for many years of my life, I didn't know to seek this information. Yeah. I, I just didn't know. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's only by, um, by really by conflict mm -hmm. and by difficult seasons that I even, it even occurred to me to try and find a better way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so often, you know, and that takes a lot, again, a lot of self-awareness, uh, but also a lot of surrender to God. Mm -hmm. So if you're suffering, uh, if you're negative, if you feel beaten down, if you're unhappy about everything and everyone and you're complaining, or if you're being criticized, either way, you have to surrender to God and say, there's got to be a better way. Yeah. There has to be. Yeah. And so, unfortunately, it does take misery at times and, and difficult seasons to get to that place of yeah. surrender with God. Um, and, you know, people always say, you know, God won't give you more than you can handle. Oh, yes, he will. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, he will. Mm -hmm. But it's out of love because he wants you to turn to him. Exactly. So that you recognize your dependence on him mm -hmm. and that you seek him yeah. and his guidance and his wisdom. So for anyone who's feeling like, you know, you've, you've gotten more than you can bear in this season, that's God letting you know that you need to turn to him and relinquish the control. Yeah. And relinquish that, that grip that you have on the things that are beyond your control yep. and just to surrender to him mm -hmm. and find the joy in him. Yeah. That's the hard part. I think relinquishing that control. But once you do, like, it just feels so much better oh, just yeah. knowing like God is on our side. Like he's going to work for us. He's going to help us through. But the more we pull away and like, no, like I don't want to, you know, like just having that, you know, like I need to do it myself or like steering away from him is not the answer. And I think sometimes when people fall into that negativity, like they steer further away from yeah. God instead of going to him. Oh yeah. And there's real things that happen. There's, there's pain and there's suffering mm -hmm. and there's, loss and there's death of loved ones and these things that are so incredibly real and so incredibly painful 
um, sometimes it pushes people away from seeking God because either they blame him or think, you know, why, why is this happening to me? And so they don't trust in him in mm-hmm. the pain. Uh, and, and it really, God is such a loving God. Mm. And he has broad shoulders and you can go to him honestly. He doesn't need, he doesn't need perfection. Nope. Uh, he doesn't need you to pretend to say something you don't really mean. He wants you to come to him with real and true feelings. So God's not scared of cynicism. Like if you go to him and say, God, I don't trust anyone. I've been hurt. I don't yep. trust anyone. God's going to say, but you can trust me. Mm-hmm. You can go to God and say, you know, the world is so wrong. The world is so nasty and people are so awful. And God say, come to me. Mm-hmm. I am good. I am just. I am pure. I am loving. So when you look around you and you see pain and misery, look up. Mm, look uh, up at God. Amen. And so, yeah, I, we we can't tell you that the world is great. We can't tell you that people are awesome. We can tell you that you're going to be hurt and that people mm-hmm. are going to disappoint you. But not Absolutely. everyone is bad and not everyone is out to get you. Mm. And most definitely God is there for you to love you, to show you that you have value, that you're his. And you cannot feel that kind of love until you surrender to him and you seek him. And it's such a healing thing. And for people who are in situations where they, you know, it's not, it's not like you can just get out of it. Um, and, but you can find so much peace and comfort in a relationship with God. And that's why it's so important to me. Like I keep saying these kingdom implications and these relationship, um, this, that you have with the Lord, you have to be able to try and seek him. Uh, and, be mindful. I mean, I've, I'm in a season right now where I'm really taking inventory of myself. Mm-hmm. I'm um, doing like an internal audit on my thoughts and being mindful of what I think about myself, what I think mm-hmm. about my God, what I think about my life, my purpose, my friends, my family, and being mindful of us. Sometimes we just get in this autopilot place of just trying to survive the everyday um, that we're not intentionally mindful about what kind of... Um, messages and information that we're receiving yes um the people that we're around are people speaking into us or taking from us are people loving us and encouraging us or are they beating us down Mm -hmm. with their words and their criticism Uh, and it's important from time to time to take an audit on that and to recognize okay what is filling me up every day am i being filled up with negativity and i'm just spent at the end of the day Or am I being filled up with the word of God? Am I being filled up with what he says I am? Uh, And it's important to be able to take that inventory from time to time. Uh, And one of the other, um, the passages that I really love is 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Say that all the time. It's so true. Mm -hmm. Because even if you start out strong and you are a positive person, like we said, the more you're around it, it's slow. It doesn't happen all at once, but it slowly chips away at you. Slowly chips away at you Mm -hmm. until you're like, who am I? Yeah, exactly. And and it's important to maintain your uh, your um, identity. And your own thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have great relationships with people and not become them. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Totally. And I remember growing up, I had the most amazing great grandma. I was so blessed to have her till I was ten. Uh, her name was Winifred. How's that for her? <laughs> awesome. How cute. I know Winnie. She was so cute. And I remember her saying, and my dad would tell me this after, um, that she had this famous phrase. And, you know, when it comes to raising kids and seeing the friend groups that they're hanging out with, and I even use it with my son now, and it's this, tell me who your friends are and it will tell me what you are. Mm-hmm. And that's old school. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so It's true. true. Yeah. Who you hang around. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not them, of you, you're guilty by association. Exactly. 
literally. Yeah. I mean, you know, so it's, it's important um, to be mindful of who you associate with, um, what you allow yourself to um, be influenced by. Um, you can absolutely be around people and be strong and not be influenced by them, but you had to be mindful because whomever you choose to spend your time with, yeah. um, just by osmosis, you're going to start, you know, yeah. like best friends, they can finish each other's sentences yeah. and they yeah. have all the same likes. And it's true even in like romantic relationships, you know, maybe you started dating a guy who loves basketball, you didn't care for it before, now you're going to every basketball game. It's just things like that. Yeah. Um, where you just, over time, the closer you get to someone, the more of them and their identity you assume upon yourself. Mm -hmm. And so you had to be very careful and to observe. Yeah. Is it bettering you or is it making you regress? Exactly. And how are you being improved? How are you growing? Uh, and and in our case, and, and my, my goal and my prayer for everybody listening is that it be even bigger than our relationships with people and our level of peace mm -hmm. and our level of happiness in our interpersonal relationships. But overall, um, to our soul, how content are we and where are we in our relationship with God? And how are the relationships and the people we're spending our time with, how are they improving our relationship with God or are they distracting us mm -hmm. from our relationship with God? There are people in church, there are people in our friend groups, there are people in our Bible studies yep. who will try and distract us with selfish motivations, selfish purposes, who have no concern over the benefit to you and to your relationship with God. And those people are everywhere and mm -hmm. you're not going to escape it. It's like I tell my son, I, I haven't tried to shelter him to where he is not exposed to anything negative. I need to teach him how to stand up in the midst of negativity. Removing yes. him from it is not effective. No, it doesn't help. It doesn't help. And even like now, he's 13 years old. He's going to be going to college and he's going to be going out in the world in five years. Mm -hmm. And I need to be able to prepare him to have the moral character and the moral courage to stand up for what's right when he is exposed to wrong things. Yeah, rather than just shielding him, pretending like it doesn't exist. Exactly. And because then the world's just going to smack him in the face and he's not going to know what happened. Absolutely. But even, you know, you need to even be able to do that, um, you know, just just because of my season of life and because of my age, um, a lot of a lot of my messaging is about my um, my relationship with Jesus, but it's also about um, romantic relationship, interpersonal relationships, familiar rela relationships. And um, I need to have the moral courage and moral character to be able to stand up in a room with people I really love, people whose relationships and friendships uh, with me really matter to me. And I need to be able to stand up in a room full of those people and stand on what's righteous, stand on what's positive. Like Philippians says, what is good, wholesome, pure, mm -hmm. delight in that. I need to have the moral courage to do that amongst people that I really love and care for uh, and whose opinion actually matters to me. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's the most difficult. We could, exactly. we can tell a stranger yeah. easier than we can tell somebody super close to us whose opinion we value and whose whose friendship or relationship we don't want to tarnish. Mm -hmm. And that's the irony of it. I, I'm telling you, it's one of the tricks of the devil to scare us into submission with people we really care about, to not stand on principle that is godly. Yep. Because for fear of fracturing that relationship, we're willing, I'm not willing to, sac to sacrifice my sanctification or my salvation for anybody. Yeah. Period. Amen, sister. <laughs> right? Like, your journey with God is your journey. I'll do the best I can to lead you to Him and to encourage you the whole way. But I am not going to sacrifice my position in heaven mm -hmm. to make you comfortable. Yeah. It's just not Or to happen. do what's cool. 
Exactly. <laughs> and again, that comes with, I couldn't have said that or even comprehended that when I was in college. I mean, that's just, the, it comes with a level of experience and maturity that yeah. you just don't have. And again, you don't know what you don't know. But as I've gotten older and as I've experienced different things, I have, I have flexed those spiritual muscles and hopefully gained enough maturity to at least be able to stand on principle and scripture uh, and try to do what's right. Uh, even in the face of potentially fracturing a relationship I really care about. Mm -hmm. And it's not easy to do. You know, even like with my 13-year-old, trying to coach him and encourage him to not participate in bullying. I don't think he would ever do it, but I mean, I want him to stand up for the little guy who's being bullied, not just walk away. Yeah. You know, not doing anything is the same as being a part of it. And so um, the moral integrity to stand up for those things in the face of adversity mm -hmm. and criticism and cynicism, it takes a lot of maturity and uh, confidence in who you are. Yep. And it takes a long time to get confident in who you are. Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. 42 still living. <laughs> right? But it's true, though. And yeah. So I don't think, like, we don't always talk about these things. And, um, there's so much, like you were saying, we don't learn it in school. Yeah. Like that is a part of why we have chosen to do this is because these things are so important. This is the kind of stuff that I'm talking about as a wife and as a mom mm -hmm. at 42. And I can tell you what happened in biology class in seventh grade. We haven't talked about it in a while. Yeah. <laughs> like right? mean, to me, it, those things that I spent so much time on and that was, was fed to me as a developing human. Mm -hmm are of no consequence now. I know, how sad is that? Mm -hmm. And things that we really need, like don't apply. Like we're not taught how to communicate. We're not taught how to do our taxes. Like we're not taught no. things that really matter. And so like, that's exactly like you said, that's why we're doing these things because we want to talk about topics that aren't usually talked about. And like yeah. you said, you don't know what you don't know. Exactly, exactly. And so, you know, in order to, um, to be able to improve, it does require difficult conversations, but it requires um, positive feedback and trying to come to actual resolutions about problems without criticizing. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was reading some things online and they were talking about criticism and how destructive it is in a marriage yeah. and how uh, if one spouse is constantly being belittled and criticized by the other, it's going to lead to um, contempt mm -hmm. and resentment yeah. and stonewalling and after you're exhausted with trying to prove your innocence and your worth, you just give up Yeah, and the, the relationship unravels. Uh, and the funny thing is we're not taught that communication skill and we're not taught how to, um, in a positive way, express dissatisfaction mm -hmm. or disapproval. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it was a perfect example of um, like, they were talking about if a husband and wife were frustrated with bill paying. Yeah. Okay. So maybe, for example, say the wife is in charge of physically paying the bills and she was being forgetful and there was late fees and things like that. Uh, an approach would be the husband could come in and say, sweetheart, we're wasting money on late fees. This is becoming frustrating. Why don't we sit down together and try and go through this and come up with a system? Yeah. Maybe we can help each other with that. I can't imagine many wives being you know, defensive yes. or nasty or yes. taking offense or causing a fight. She would feel encouraged. Mm -hmm because they're coming to a resolution together. Mm -hmm. He's offering to his sister. It's something they're going to do together to improve their relationship. Yeah. Healthy okay. communication. It's how you say it. Exactly. But if he says, 
you are irresponsible, you are not doing what you're supposed to be doing, I'm mad at you, 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 you're bad, yep. wrong, mm -hmm. everything you're doing is messed up, then she's going to get defensive. Yep. The goal, which is good for both, is is timely bill pay, is not being met, yep. and the relationship is fractured. Yep. And it's just something so simple. And this is real stuff. This mm -hmm. is stuff that happens every day in marriages. And it's just real basic things like that. Or another example was um, the husband didn't come home from work on time. And when he walks in, the wife says, honey, I was so worried about you. I'm so glad that you're safe. Next time when you're going to be late, could you try and remember to call me so I don't worry? Boom. Yeah. Healthy communication. It expresses love. Yep. It expresses concern. It comes up with a resolution. Mm -hmm. If husband walks through the door, maybe he had a bad day, got stuck at work, wasn't thinking about letting her know. She attacks him at the door. What the hell is wrong with you? You're so disrespectful. Why didn't you call me? Boom. We're in a fight. Yeah. It's disrespectful. The relationship is fractured. Nothing gets accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> no goals are being met and the relationship is fractured and everybody's upset because they both feel disrespected and unappreciated. Yeah. And it's just, it's stupid little things like that over time that dogpile. They create resentment. They create frustration. They create separation and distance in an otherwise intimate and loving relationship. And over time, that's going to lead to divorce because mm -hmm. it's just, it creates this huge separation where both parties are upset. Both parties are not behaving properly. Yeah. And um, there's a separation there. And it's something so simple, yet we're not taught the tools of healthy communication like that. And yeah. oftentimes we don't even seek the proper teaching until we're in that conflict and we're trying, we're trying to get out of the pit instead of avoiding it altogether. Yep. And you know, marriage counseling works before the marriage better than it works after the marriage. <laughs> what a concept. Yeah. Um, but it's little things like this that we're not taught. I wish I could talk to young children and not too young, but like high school and college before they get in relationships yeah. and in communication patterns that are really unhealthy um, and that really do not benefit them or the relationship. Um, but taking it now in that wide lens again, when we are cynical about the world at large, when we are hyper cynical and hyper critical in general now, when we all know people like that, yeah. when you're at that point, you are separated from your, your human relationships, maybe your spouse, your children, your boss, whatever, but you're also separated from God. Mm. Mm -hmm. Because you are not living out his purpose. You are not um, you are not introducing people to him. You are not encouraging people to be in your presence. So you can't introduce them to his presence. And so it has a huge implication. Sometimes we just get tunnel vision on our day-to-day -day stuff that we don't see it that way. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important that we widen the lens and get that 30,000-foot view yeah. of how negativity is cancerous. Yeah. It, really, it, it metastasized and it just grows so big in our lives that it, it just, it, it squashes out and suffocates out the joy. And we can't even identify, let alone glorify or share God's glory. Yeah. And that's a sad part. And, um, talking about like relationships, um, you know, how would you give someone advice who is dealing with a spouse who is cynical and overcritical and is just going down that rabbit hole and keeps doing it? And for the other person, like, what would you say they should do in that situation? 
I think always um, trying to get to the root problem is the best approach, the okay. best initial approach. Mm -hmm. So um, we've talked about it on here before, and I always talk about it. You've heard this before in, in our Bible studies. I always talk about primary and secondary emotions. Mm -hmm. um, so often we'll feel, and I call them icky feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's real technical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I'm talking to five-year-olds. They really are icky feelings. So it could be... Frustration, irritation, jealousy, mm -hmm. insecurity, um, fear, all of those icky feelings are primary. So something will happen and we'll feel an icky feeling. <clears throat> so often we are out of touch with that feeling because it's too raw and too vulnerable for us to even comprehend on our own, much less feel comfortable sharing it. Mm -hmm. So, for example, when you feel jealous with your husband, you're not, well, honey, I'm feeling jealous and insecure and fearful. Yeah, right. right now. No, it's much easier to go, why the hell were you talking to her? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so we are, we as human beings don't like to be vulnerable and exposed because we're fearful of the, of the potential for hurt. Yes. So we protect. Mm. So we don't express vulnerability. So what we do is we skip over the vulnerability because that's uncomfortable. Mm hmm and we go directly to what's familiar and feels powerful, mm -hmm. like anger. Yep. Or stonewalling and ignoring someone. It feels powerful because you feel like you're in control of something, but it's so destructive. Yeah. And so we bypass the vulnerable. We go straight to what makes us feel powerful and we destroy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, it's, a, it's, like a, it's a, a battle of the mind and it's so um, tragic what we do in there. And um, so for someone who is being attacked, let's say, somebody who's being criticized consistently, um, I pray that somebody in that situation um, is experiencing this with someone that they can talk to. Um, you can be critical and try to work on it and have a healthy conversation about it. And so my approach would initially be um, try and identify that vulnerability first mm -hmm. from a position of love. Yes. So say to your spouse, honey, I see that you're irritated and frustrated or angry. I mean, whatever's really happening and say, I can see that you're angry right now. Can we talk about why? Can I help you with that? Mm -hmm. what, can we, what can we do to improve the situation? That would be my starting point. Yeah. Um, and prayerfully, I hope that works. Yeah. Um, if it doesn't and you're just at an impasse and you're butting heads and you're fighting, then you might need to go to an unbiased third party, mm -hmm. which I would recommend a Christian counselor. Um, and if it's something that's consistently happening and hopefully both parties are, um, both parties are willing to do that. Um, and then thirdly, or actually probably should even be first, don't take it personal. <laughs> so usually when somebody is criticizing without offering a, a positive way to fix the problem, um, it's usually, it's not usually, it's a definitely a reflection of them and mm -hmm. not you. So try your best not to take it personal. It's really hard when you're being criticized and yep. not take it personal. When somebody's mm -hmm. saying you're bad, wrong, dumb, whatever yep. the case may be, um, it's really hard to not internalize that because it's literally an attack on your character. But um, it's coming from somebody who doesn't have communication tools in that moment. And so you really cannot give it the weight that they want it to have. Mm -hmm. um, you need to honor yourself and exercise self-care and self-love in that moment. Um, so try not to take it personal. Try and identify the, the vulnerable emotion and hopefully fix it there. Um, and the other part is, too, that spouses need to feel safe with each other. So you need to foster 
and build and establish a relationship and a place where you can be vulnerable yes. and not have it weaponized against you. Yes. So, you know, if I go to my husband and say, honey, I'm feeling jealous and insecure about you talking to that girl. If he weaponizes that and tells me I'm being childish or immature or something, I'm no longer going to be feel safe to express that vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So when someone comes to you with a vulnerability, you need to give them safe space to have that feeling and to love them through that and get to a resolution. And I think a lot of people, we don't even consider that safe space. No. Um, it, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Yeah. If you want to be safe being vulnerable, then you need to provide safety and vulnerability. Definitely. It's really simple. Um, the other part is um, if you are the critical one mm -hmm. and everything bothers you, um, that requires a level of self-awareness that is intentional. Yes. So we've all had bad days and we've all had like, I, I'm no less guilty of it than anyone else of just having a bad day when everything is bad and you're just irritated yeah. and you're yep. frustrated and every, it just gets worse and worse and worse and you get more and more irritated. Um, and it's again, self-awareness, taking an, an inventory and auditing. What am I thinking about? Mm -hmm. Why am I so frustrated? Why mm -hmm. am I so angry? And um, trying to be self-aware in that moment and, like Jenny Allen says, interrupting that thought exactly. before it becomes destructive to yes. the people around you. But that's easier said than done. Because oftentimes when you're in that place, you're in that place. Yeah, you don't see it. <laughs> you don't see it. <laughs> so it's, um, you know, having a conversation with the people around you that you love. I've had this conversation with my husband and I've had this conversation with my son. That, you know, if I'm treating you unfairly or being unkind, please tell me. Mm-hmm. Please tell me because I never want to be unkind or unloving. Um, or being self-aware, I get hangry. Yeah. <laughs> I get me hangry. too. <laughs> I get very hangry. I have a t-shirt that says, I'm sorry for what I did when I was hangry. Yeah. But I get hangry and again, self-aware. So if you feel yourself getting irritated and you know, suddenly my son is irritating me or my husband's irritating me, I'm like, oh, when was the last time I ate? Grab a Snickers. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so again, it's self-awareness and, and a lot of us don't want to be imperfect and it's so unrealistic. I would rather recognize my imperfection and address it than be in denial mm -hmm. and just be destructive. Yeah. And so it's really important that, um, we exercise self-awareness, that we exercise self-care and that we try to love the people around us. Um, and, and give them a safe place to be vulnerable and to express discomfort and pain and to work on it. Yeah. And theoretically, these are really simple things, um, but it requires um, self-awareness. It requires intentionality. Yes. It requires a safe space and it requires uh, a partner who's willing to work with you toward a common goal. And maybe that isn't the person that you're having conflict with. Maybe mm -hmm. that's a best friend mm -hmm. or a Bible study leader or a mm -hmm. pastor or a therapist. Uh, you know, not every relationship is a safe place yet to share in. So you need that bestie or yeah. that girlfriend mm -hmm. or that Bible study teacher who you can go to and navigate your feelings uh, in a healthy way. And yeah. that's okay too. Um, the main thing is you can only control yourself. And so work, exactly. <laughs> work on self-awareness, work on self-control, work on expressing vulnerability and creating safe places to share um, the vulnerabilities and work toward a common goal. And when you do, when you realize that you don't have to exist in a cynical and critical place, um, you can begin to experience joy around you, to appreciate others, to experience the gratitude that cynicism and criticism suffocates. 
And when you do that, when you begin to experience joy and replace the cynicism with joy, it will become infectious. You're like, oh, this feels better. I like yes. this. You know, and and it's a it's a gradual thing and it's mm-hmm. baby steps. But I love that you said that with intentionality. It's mm-hmm. like you really have to be intentional with your relationships, with your thinking. If you're on autopilot, that's when it's easy to fall into those patterns mm-hmm. over and over because it's just what you're used to. But when you act with intentionality, you can really change so much about your life. Yeah. Complacency mm-hmm. is a curse. Complacency yes. can get you in trouble in all relationships, yes. especially in relationship with God. Uh, and so in addition to all this interpersonal stuff, I strongly encourage um, the intentionality in the relationship with God. Talk to him, seek mm-hmm. him, go to church, go to Bible study, listen to podcasts. <laughs> <Yeah>. Amen. <laughs> be in his word, be in his presence and try and surround yourself with people who are like-minded mm-hmm. uh, and who want to, um, want to grow with you yeah. and to grow in Christ. I hundred percent agree. Amen. <laughs> okay. Let's right, pray let's it out. <laughs> Heavenly father. Thank you so much for the blessings that you've given us, Lord. Thank you for the awareness that we have, that we need you, that we need to surrender to you, to be dependent on you, Lord. Thank you for your glory and your wonder that's all around us, Father. We thank you for giving us hearts to pursue you, to recognize uh, gratefulness, to be intentional, Lord. And we thank you for the relationships you've given us um, to grow grace and uh, to grow intentionality and love and direct us to you, Lord. We ask that everyone that hear this message tonight, Lord, whether they are cynical or experiencing it or surrounded by it, Lord, um, that they that they seek you, that you tap on their heart, that you speak to them in a way that they need to hear individually and intentionally, Lord, so that they seek you, that they surrender to you and they begin to experience the gratefulness and the joy that you have to offer, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for joining us. We hope your time with us has brought you closer to God. And makes you feel equipped, empowered, and encouraged to experience Eden on this side of heaven. To connect with us, please find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day!